0: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 134, and we are recording on Monday, August 22nd. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra. How are you doing? Katie, I
1: am good. We have been engulfed in a heatwave for the past few days over here in San Francisco, and it just feels like our earthly version of hell on earth. But other than that, I am good. The air conditioners are like working full capacity. Our you know, electric bills are going through the roof. It's a sad state of affairs. But otherwise I'm okay. How are you? How was how was your vacation? I know you were doing a road trip, but the only thing I remember is
0: that you were in Savannah. But how was your road trip? Tell us everything. Yes. Well, Savannah was actually the city that we spent the least amount of time in, sadly. (laughs) We only spent two and a half days there. But the vacation was fantastic. The trip was really good. We did Asheville, North Carolina, and then Charleston, and then Savannah. We did so much stuff. Like I cannot even believe how much stuff we did. And we still left time to just kind of like have some downtime, recuperate, because that was a lot of walking that we weren't used to. And like a lot of the stuff that we did was kind of like, fly by where we're just kind of like okay we saw this for like 15 minutes and now we're on to the next thing so we did like very short stops at a lot of things but we saw so many just like in Asheville it was all about the 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 mountains and the natural scenery oh and I am 95% sure that I saw a bear on vacation And, which I think I've talked about before with my previous vacations, that I am always on the search for a wild bear sighting. And this time, I am 95% sure I saw a bear. It was on while we were on a moving train in the Smoky Mountains, and I was looking out the window, and I saw something large, black, bear-shaped that seemed to be crossing a dirt road. And I remember seeing legs and a snout. I saw it was there and gone, but my brain registered bear so strongly that I gasped and went, oh my God, I think I just saw a bear. Oh and goodness. Blaine was like, are you sure you didn't like imagine it because you're so <laughs> desperate to see a bear? And I'm like, have I ever gasped and said, oh my God, I think I just saw a bear. Like, well, we've been on any of our trips. And he's like, no, you haven't. And I'm like, yeah. So I wasn't able to, yeah, like I said, not a hundred percent sure. Um, I wasn't able to go back and double check. I wasn't able to get a photo, but I'm 95% sure that was a bear. So this trip was a success. <laughs> it was a success. That's how you know that you've had a good trip
1: to the Smokies if you yeah saw a bear. Thought you saw a bear or, you know, you saw a bear. But yes, the Smoky Mountains are gorgeous. That's one thing I miss about the East Coast is we used to live in Atlanta. So the Smoky Mountains were like an hour and a half out and you would start yeah. with the Smokies. Oh, they're gorgeous, gorgeous.
0: Yeah, so beautiful. And we saw, yeah, we saw so much gorgeous architecture in Charleston and Savannah. We ate so much food, so much barbecue, biscuits, cornbread. Like, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! We were kind of relieved to come back home (laughs) and have like a light meal for once. (laughs) You're like only salad today, just keeping it light. Oh man. Yeah. Towards the end of the trip, I was like eating, I was trying to eat as many salads and like <laughs> salmon and like, because I don't do fish, but I really like salmon. And so I was like, okay, something healthier. But then it comes like, you know, the way they've got, they've prepared it, like with all this sauce and like all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, but it was so good. <laughs> it was so good. It's <laughs> okay. You
1: get a free pass on vacations.
0: There you go, yeah. but yeah, no, it was it was fantastic, hands down one of our one of our best vacations, and we definitely want to revisit all three of the cities because we could easily have spent a week in each place. So yeah, we will we will definitely be back. And I did get to see some cool uh, stuff in Savannah related to Midnight in the Garden of Good and oh, Evil. So that nice. was that was that was my fun bookish uh, connection with that. That's how you know that was a success. Did you guys do any audiobooks on the way there and back? Um, oh. Blaine has a tendency to fall asleep in the car, so I didn't want him to uh, miss anything. I did finish up the audio version of Midnight in the Garden nice. of Good and Evil, though. So I finished that on the way there. And then on the way back, not book-related... Well, it is actually technically book-related, because there is uh, a book version. We started listening to the podcast uh, Alice Isn't Dead from Ooh. the creators of Night Vale. Okay, And I had never listened to it before. Blaine had listened to a bit of it, and he's like, I think you would really like it. And I love it love it. And we listened to about six or seven episodes, I think. And it was so creepy, and so dark. And that was what was keeping me entertained on the very long drive back home. So
1: Oh my god, I gotta look this up.
0: Yeah, it's really it's very Stephen King like. And so I guess since we usually use this point to talk about what we're currently reading, I will consider that my currently reading, even though I'm listening to the podcast version of the story and not reading the novel version of the story, although I know that the novel version does exist. But yeah, that was that was a that was a good pick.
1: Color me intrigued. I am this is going to happen. I'm inspired for this one. I have not been reading much. I as I told you, everything is hot and sticky over here. It's, it's not been reading season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but with that, I am not sure about, you know, the news in the bookish world, but we do have news over here mm-hmm. uh, on our episode. This will be, sadly, my last episode at Red or Dead. I'm going to pursue the illusion that is called balance in life. And I am going to miss the listeners. I'm going to miss you, Katie. I'm going to miss talking about you know, mysteries and thrillers with all of you. But we'll definitely leave contact information in the bottom of the show notes. Please come say hi, stay in touch. And, you know, Katie, you and I are going to stay in touch. Oh, of course. And, you know, I'm going to like text scream all my thoughts about books that I'm reading. And I'm also excited to be listening to the (laughs) episodes because it's it's hard to, it's not hard, but like, you know, you don't want to hear yourself twice. Like once you're already saying it, yes.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you were there for the recording. You don't need to listen yes. to it. <laughs> I know exactly
1: what you and I said. So I'm going <laughs> to be like, I'm I'm excited for like, you know, the element of surprise. Like, What <laughs> are they going to say? <laughs> um, but yes, I will dearly, dearly miss, miss the show. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss all the listeners, but I'll yeah. be around. So don't be afraid to say hi and chat some good books.
0: Yeah, no, I, when you texted me that, you-, you texted me like right as we were about to head our journey home, and I was like, "No, oh, Nasra, no." So yes, I am very much going to miss recording with you. It has been an absolute joy, um, recording over the last year and a half or so. But yes, no, I know, I know. We'll stay in touch, and and of course, and to all you listeners, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, the show is going to continue on. Um, we will have our new co host in place by our next episode so yeah so red or dead will continue i feel like a grizzled old veteran just like as (laughs) because you know we had Rinsey and then she left and then you came in for Rinsey and now i'm 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 like i'm i'm the veteran holding down the fort at camp (laughs) red or dead (laughs) we appreciate it we appreciate it (laughs) yeah um but yeah no it's it's been it's been a ton of fun and we'll be delighted to have you as a listener and of course hey you know, it let us know if you have any any show suggestions for us coming. Yes, up. You know they're coming. Yes. It's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be like, hey,
1: this is what I need from you all. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good.
0: Yes. All right. So before we jump into the meat of this episode, let's go ahead and take a break and hear from our first sponsor. All right, so like we said at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and thrillers and just about anything that falls under that suspenseful umbrella, whether it's new releases or author read alikes or movie adaptation news or anything that happens to be mysterious or suspenseful, it's probably fair game for us to talk about. So if you are a longtime listener of the show, you know that this is the point of the show where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes, like I just did with Nazra, where it's like, she may be leaving co-hosting duties, but she is not going <laughs> to, she has an assignment, nope. she's going to let us know if she has show suggestions. <laughs> Because, as we've said before, these really do help us plan so many of the episodes that we've recorded over the the years. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So, if you have any ideas, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. Like Nezra said, we're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so don't worry about getting it down right now. We just put out the call at the beginning of every episode to get those creative juices flowing while you're listening. And even if you do not have an idea and just want to say hi, we always love hearing from our listeners. They make us so happy. So if you just want to say hi, let us know. We, we, we love hearing from people. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that more people can find us and join us in this wonderful little mysterious community that we've built over the years. And with that, I don't think there hasn't really been much news-related stuff over the over the last couple of weeks. I mean, granted, I've been kind of disconnected from reality for a couple of weeks, so... But yeah, nothing, nothing huge has, has hit my radar, so let's just go ahead and jump right into the main part of this episode, which we decided to do this episode on domestic suspense, domestic thrillers, which if you've taken a step inside a bookstore at all within the last, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 years maybe, this is an uber-popular subgenre of the mystery suspense genre. And, I mean, Nezra, do you have any thoughts about why, like, what is it about this subgenre that's ringing so many bells for people? I think it is the fact that everyone
1: aspires for this idea of a perfect home life and everyone knows that it is unattainable because you know people and I think that's what th- I think that's what fascinates me about it it's like the show that people put on versus what actually goes behind the scenes and that friction between the two you know how that's like threatening to come to the front uh, I think that's what forms like the crux of my appeal for domestic suspense because I'm like nobody's that perfect. Your pies can't be that good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's one of my theories. I feel like it's, I think it sort of scratches that itch in us that this is an unattainable goal that we have been fed uh, I'm going to go into like a bit of a conspiracy rant, everybody. So stay with me. <laughs> but, you know, like the narrative that we've been fed, like this is the dream. You're supposed to have this perfect, clean household. And there's so many products that will help you get it. And your food is supposed to look the certain way. And, you know, like that idea is so hard to achieve. And I think it helps us sort of come back to the ground a little when we read these domestic suspense and are like, uh-uh this that's not real but yeah that's my very convoluted explanation
0: no I th- I mean I think it makes sense and I think you also kind of touched on another aspect too where you're you're like when you look at like especially maybe it has something to do like maybe like coinciding with the rise of like Instagram and all of the social media stuff where yes. everyone's putting on these perfect, you know, images of their lives. Like, we're living in the era of the Kardashians, and you're like, no one's that perfect. Like, there's almost like a voyeuristic kind of element to it where you're, like, really peeking behind the curtain of what's going on, and (laughs) there is some really bad stuff going on. I know that for... join, Join me on a quick side tangent. Blaine and I, we have just this running... Not joke, but just, like gone girl has played such a is such a central cornerstone of like our pop culture awareness and and our relationship like we've read the book we've met gillian flynn we've seen the movie like i bought blaine a signed copy of gone girl for a valentine's day gift um he keeps joking about like when we hit our fifth anniversary he was like please don't gone girl me that kind of thing but i think one of one of the things that for me is so intriguing is this idea that you don't as much as you think you know the people in your lives either the people that you or the person that you married or the person who you have a long long term committed relationship with or your children or your parents people who you are related to by blood where you think you know them and then you realize you have no idea who that other person is and and that that fear is i think is very primal and you know hits home for a lot of people you know i also think like domestic thrillers um obviously they're a part of the larger psychological suspense subgenre but there's i there's a lot of overlap with horror as well and i think there's an element of kind of you know, pushing the boundaries a little bit or making, you know, this is a way that people can step outside of their comfort zone and experience some of that vicarious, like, fear, um, or, you know, about a place or a relationship that's supposed to be safe and it's not. And I think this is, you know, this is a way that again, like, you know, why do women read true crime a lot? I think that's a, uh, in part, it's a way of like testing these boundaries or just, you know, stepping outside of your, your comfort, your comfort zone, your home, and just kind in you know, just kind of playing with, with those edges a little bit. But I think that, you know, I think that too has a lot of, appeal for readers. But yeah, it just seems like every week there's multiple domestic suspense novels coming out. And I mean, it's impossible to keep up with all of them. Although part of me is kind of wants to just to see I'm like, okay, there can't possibly be this many very like, like, I want to see how each author treats this subgenre and makes it unique. Like that is that is interesting to me because with psychological suspense, there's like, you know, you're expecting twists and you're expecting, you know, major surprises, and it's it seems like it's it it's so difficult to keep that fresh and entertaining. And so I'm inter- like, yeah, it, I'm just I'm interested to see how different authors you know take this idea and make it unique and make it their own. Just because there, it is so popular and there are so many titles coming out.
1: I think you've nailed it. I, yes, I, I 100% agree with that idea of like, you know, how it usually combines elements of horror. Like Shirley Jackson there is a great go. example of this. Like, her books are always like, I don't think the people who market her books have even nailed this down because do they mean so. To some people, they are just like, write out horror. And then to some, they're like, oh, this is my life on some days. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I hope not. But I'm just saying, like, you know, like, I think that that's correct, like more than like thriller category, domestic suspense veers into the category of horror because there is something horrific about, you know, this place of comfort that you've known sort of turning on you or the people mm-hmm. that you count for comfort, not being like you said, like not being who you think they are. Mm-hmm. So we love it. We're going to keep putting on.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but- <laughs> I was going to say, you want to go ahead, give us give us your first pick. Yes.
1: I think I'm excited because this is the perfect segue into my first pick, which I've talked about before on the show. But I think it's okay. Today I get a free pass. <laughs> but the book is Good Neighbors by Sarah Langan. And this is one of those books that veers very strongly into, like, it does this, you know, dance of like domestic suspense, horror, domestic suspense, horror. Uh, so what it's basically is yes. it's set in this street this perfect little street maple street and everyone's everyone's holding on to their perfect ideas of like schools and what they want until this family moves in the i think they're called the wild family there's arlo there's Gertie, and there are three kids they move in and uh, Gertie and this neighbor her name is ria they're like good friends but all of a sudden They're not like the book opens up with this 4th of July, 4th of July block party that is happening and everyone in their neighborhood is invited except the vile family. And they can see from their window that they're invited. like, everyone's at the party except them. So this is like, you know, suburban language for, you know, like, you know, you're not, you can't sit with us. So they see that and they, you know, like Gertie says, you know, let's, Let's sort of like, let's get out, let's hash it out what's going on. And then they do that. And then there's a confrontation and then eventually, you know, things happen. And then what's the word I'm looking for? Is it a hole? What's it? A sinkhole. There you go. A sinkhole opens up in a nearby park and as tensions escalate, things start, things start going wrong. And then they just keep getting worse and worse. And, oh, this book doesn't let up for even a minute. It's very, very, it's bleak, but it's also, you know, like a book of like, I think another thing that domestic suspense book capture is like the, uh, Katie, you've written a word here, like the malaise, Mm -hmm. the idea of, you know, like suburban malaise and especially how that idea Form like falls like how that feeling falls on women most often of the time because the pressure to create the suburban dream most often falls on women. You know, like mm-hmm. on, on that. You know, they like, create this perfect home, create this perfect family, manage the schedules, manage the social life. So this book again has some fantastic commentary on that and how at what cost does that actually happen. And then there are these tensions, like there's class commentary in here. Like the very obvious tension between the wilds and everyone on the street is that everyone thinks that wilds are, you know, they're they they dress a certain way, like they don't belong in that street. And then there's like commentary on, you know, like friendships and how how they can become this tug of war of like power dynamics and lies and Oh, it gets dark. It it does I like I warn you, it does not stop being dark. But it is it truly reads like you know. I think it was pitched as Shirley Jackson meets Celeste Ing, and I I feel like that is spot on. But it's very good. Like if you can like if you can read through the heart that parts, it's very well written. Like it's shockingly almost because it's not like it's it's not trying to create this false sense of urgency. It's like taking its time to get to the conclusion in your, like you want to be there for the writing. The sentences are very sharp, very fully formed, which is a weird thing to say about sentences, but they are. So yes, so it's, uh I think that's perfect for like this domestic suspense theme. And if you're looking for a book that does it, maybe... You know, you've know you read all of them out there and you're looking for something a bit different, a bit darker, then this is for you. It's Good Neighbors by Sarah Langdon.
0: Yeah, that one has been on my bookshelf for so long. And I it's, that's a, it's one of those books that I'm just like, why have I not read this already? It has my name written all over it. <laughs> so at some point, I will get my act together and pull some of these books off of my shelf that I've been meaning to read and actually read them. <sighs> anyway. So my first pick is a young adult novel called My Sister Rosa by Justine larba And this book, it is young adult fiction, but whoo boy, this book creeped me out. And if you hear me saying that, you can take that to the bank. So if you enjoy books that, that fall under the theme of like, creepy child kind of story, this is it. Oh my gosh. So this book, the main character is Che Taylor. He's 17, and his 10 or 11-year-old sister is Rosa. And their family has moved. They're from Australia, but they've moved all over the world. And very recently, they've moved from Bangkok to New York City. And Che loves his sister, but she also scares him. And she is very, she's very smart, she's talented, very pretty, and very, very manipulative, and very willing to manipulate and hurt people or other, just hurt what, you know, whatever is getting in her way of what she wants. And she, with this new move, she has very recently started making more trouble. And Che he's very close with rosa and he doesn't want to he doesn't he doesn't want to damage that or risk that but he can't get his parents to see these red flags and he feels like he's the only person who can see what rosa is really like because she puts on a front when the parents are around and they're like we don't we don't know what you're talking about and so he's trying to he feels like he's the only thing standing in the way of her really really hurting someone or something and he's trying to figure out okay how do i deal with this and this book like when i read the premise i was thinking like okay this sounds like a law and order premise, like something that you'd see on Law and Order SVU. And you know, it probably there probably is a very similar uh a similar plot on one of on one of the episodes. But what I really liked about this book is that it really goes into a lot of, it looks at a lot of nuance in terms of family dynamics, therapy, and it looks at, you know, how how these relationships and how these dynamics play out. And it it just it feels very much, like it doesn't feel sensationalized. Like it's so easy to take a promise like this and just go totally over the top with it. And it feels real. And that's what's really scary about it. And, yeah, I burned through this book like so fast. It is creepy to the nth degree. And I really, really love this one. And it's a book that you don't hear about very often. It was published like in 2016, 2017, something like that. But it doesn't, you know, get a ton of attention. So this is a really good, like, if you want to be, like, if you've got friends where you trade book recommendations back and forth and you want to be the cool person to pull this one out of their, out of your pocket, pretty much guarantee not many people have read it, this would be a good one. So again, that is My Sister Rosa by Justine Larbalestier.
1: I love how that was your, you know, pitch that, you know, like, if you want to be the cool friend, because I am 100% that friend. So I was like, did you, have you read this book? And
0: everyone just like, it's like, what? What book is that? Well, after I mean, after a while, you've got a, repu- you have a reputation to uphold. Like, yes, you know, it's like you're on a book podcast. People are expecting you to have yes. all, you know, all the inside information. I work in a library. People are expecting me to like, come up yes. with this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I got the in on all the cool books.
1: And they're always like, you know, they don't want like, of course, which is rightfully so. They don't want the -the run-of-the-mill recommendations, you know. They're like, give us good stuff. Like the stuff no one's talking about. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of pressure. But before I head to my second pick, let's take a quick break for the second sponsor. All right. So my second book is one of the classics. I I believe it's going to be one of the classics. But it is Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. And... If you have not read this book, or if you have somehow not heard of Celeste Ng, then let me, let me make your day, because oh, she is the queen of domestic suspense. Is that right to say? Has that been used too much? Maybe, but like she is, she captures of what it means to have a domestic and suspenseful life so beautifully. That all her books, like, she's already written two. Her third one is coming out, I think, in October, are Missing Hearts. Her books, they capture, like, you know, like, what we talked about. That sense that, like, often, like, women of the household are left with. You know, the regrets and the things that they did not do or that they wanted to do. But also, like, the children are main characters in her books. Like, the frustrations they're going through... Like you get a glimpse of the whole family and how it's working and then her books are usually like from the perspective of an outsider and how that outsider is received like that's i think that's what our everything i've never told you before was like and little fires everywhere is also similar similarly like that um and then she sort of you know she like sort of takes the peel away from how people react when they they're next to somebody who's different from them or they just you know, someone's style of living or whatever does not coincide with what they feel like life should be like. So it's, she just captures like how domestic settings threaten narrow-minded people so well. So I think that's that's why it it's, she has, like if you say you like this genre, then you have to read this. And even if you say you don't like this genre, you have to read this because her books are also one of those that I feel like they stop at the suspense territory. They don't really go into the horror Territory, they're, they're never too graphic or too much to bear in terms of like you know what's on the page. Her ideas, though, is another story. But she basically tells off the richardson family and i feel like what's the mom's name i've, I've forgotten what the mom uh, elena elena is the mom's name and she has this you know she has this family of four kids like everything is perfection she has like this job part-time job as a journalist i believe in the local shaker heights newspaper shaker heights is this very community where even like the grass is maintained up to like six inches and like, everything is you know to the T. it's perfected like it's it appears to be perfect But then this woman, Mia, she comes in with her daughter, Pearl, and Elena gets it into her head that she wants to help Pearl and Mia. And so she rents out one of their, she has another house and she rents out the top uh, floor to Mia and her daughter, Pearl. And then sort of the friction begins where, you know, Mia is an artist. She goes from city to city. And it unsettles Elena because that's not something that's not that doesn't align with the vision she has for how life should be lived. And, you know, Pearl gets close to Elena's like Elena's children. And then we see the tension that exists in Elena's household herself. Her daughter, Isabel, is not very warm towards her mother and then there's, you know, Mia has a past and Elena takes it on herself to, and you know, to get to the bottom of this past. And there's like another side story that's going on. And it's all done so well. Like there are three different stories going on in this book. And it still manages to stay at around 340 pages. Mm-hmm. And it is so... Like she doesn't let a single word go to waste. And then obviously there's like this climax and oh, the climax is good. It's good. And it it leaves you with a lot of thoughts. Like it left me personally with a lot of thoughts of, you know, what is this idea of like, what does a good life look like to me? What does like being a good parent look like to me? And she just leaves your mind reeling with so many questions that I still, whenever someone talks about this book, I'm like, but okay, but what do you think of this aspect of this book? And then it's like a rabbit hole of a discussion. So it's so good. I I truly believe this is gonna take a place as one of the classics of this genre. But that's Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. And then her other book, Everything I Never Told You, is equally brilliant.
0: Yeah, I am like... A couple years ago, I started reading *Little Fires Everywhere*, and it wasn't the right book at the right time for me, so I didn't. I only got a portion of the way through, and so that's a book I need to go back and pick up. But I have read *Everything I Never Told You*, and she is an author that really um, she blends, you know, this mystery suspense element, but with a lot of literary fiction. And so that's one of the reasons why her books are so popular is book club picks. And like you said, there's always so much to discuss. And she, it's like the suspense, the suspense is there, but the focus is on all of these, these ideas. And like, you know, like, like you said about, about family and relationships. And yeah, she, she's just, she's a writer where she just has such a unique talent for just like, her sentences just get at the heart of whatever concept or image or whatever it is she's trying to convey her 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 sentences are like arrows they just go right to the center of it and I really loved Everything I Never Told You. And again, Little Fires Everywhere is one. That's one that is, is so mega popular. And usually with the really mega popular books, I'm like, mm, you know, I'll wait. And that's one I, I, I am sad to say I have not read it yet. So, But yeah, she, she's brilliant. And then my second pick, well, perhaps not surprisingly, didn't yeah, didn't get a chance to read a whole lot on vacation. (laughs) So this book is one that is on my TBR, and it's actually a book that I received for my birthday this year. So I wanted to talk about this one and just why I'm excited for it. And it's More Than You'll Ever Know by Katie Gutierrez. And this book came out at the beginning of June of this year, so very new release. And this book talks about, well, there's two storylines here. You've got a storyline in the 80s where you have Laura Rivera, who she marries a man named Andres in Mexico City, even though Laura is already married to a man named Fabian in Texas, and they have twin sons. And even though she, she has a career as a Banker. So she travels, an international banker. She travels a lot. And so she splits her time literally between two countries and two families until the truth catches up with her and one husband is arrested for murdering the other one. Then the second storyline takes place in modern times. Well, in this case, 2017, but you know, modern. And we have Cassie Bowman, who is a struggling true crime writer. And she comes across an article conveying this story. And Cassie is, she's intrigued by everything that the article doesn't talk about. So basically, like, why would this woman risk everything for this family that she already has? Why would she risk everything for a secret double marriage? And so Cassie thinks, I will track Laura down and interview her and get the full story and understand what actually happened and, you know, what led her to make these decisions. So this being a suspense podcast where we talk about suspenseful books, obviously there's a lot more going on than Cassie realizes. So she finds lore and she starts talking with her. And the more she learns, the more she starts questioning, like, everything. (laughs) And of course, you know, both women have massive massive secrets that are poised to be exposed and, you know, the what actually happened could completely derail both of their lives. And yeah, so this book it's for whatever reason I could just be totally missing, you know, this sub sub genre of domestic thrillers. But the double marriage or the double the double life thing, it we, we use it or, you know, you come across it in books, but it's not, it's like, like they mentioned in the description, it's not you. And I feel it's usually the man that has the double life in that sense. And in this case, it's the woman, which is really, really interesting. And that concept, you know, has has always intrigued me. Like what, like, this is such, if you are the type of person to try and carry on two separate lives with two different families. You have to know that you're not going to be able to pull that off forever. And it's like why? What what is going on in your life in your head that this is the decision that you that you make. And it's just, you know, it's it's almost unfathomable to me. So that's why it's intriguing. And also just <laughs> Because my my mother's probably not going to be happy if she listens to this episode. Tiny bit of tea from my side of the family. I have an, uh, a like a great great uncle or something like that from the turn of the 20th century who was arrested for bigamy and having two separate families. So I'm I'm like so now I'm I'm like trying to find articles about about what happened with this with this uh, this ancestor's arrest because I'm just like what on earth would cause someone to make these decisions. I, I just don't understand it. But yeah, so this book just sounded super, super intriguing. It's got a really, I, I love the cover. It's so cryptic. And it's, oh, I yeah, the cover is just so fascinating. It's got that true crime angle, which I know we've talked about multiple times on this show about how a lot of books nowadays have this that like, they're fictional, but they have a strong element of true crime-ness to them. And so this definitely falls falls in that category. And yeah, it just sounds so, so interesting. And I'm very happy that um, I ended up getting this one for my birthday. So again, this is More Than You'll Ever Know by Katie Gutierrez.
1: I love it. You totally stole my other, this was going to be my other pick. So yes. Co-signed by Nuzra.
0: Yes, I think this
1: and this also plays very well into that whole idea of things are not as perfect as they appear to be. So yes, I love it. With that, let's. I, I'm sure Katie and I could go off on several tangents on this, as you may have figured out by this point. <laughs> figured out by this point, but let's jump into our new releases, and I'm super excited for yes the one that I've picked. And that is Murder in Westminster. And that comes out August 23rd. That is tomorrow. So by the time you're listening to this episode, you, it's out. It's ready for you to buy. And it's by Vanessa Riley. And if you are not, Vanessa Riley has this ability to write these super detailed, very well researched historical fiction novels. And I've and also historical romance novels. And I feel like this one is a bit of both. And just a little bit about the book. This is a Regency, this is a new Regency set series from acclaimed author Vanessa Riley, and this combines her signature signature emotional richness and attention to detail in a historical mystery featuring a strong, clever, and captivating heroine. Discovering a body on her property presents Lady Abigail Worthing with more than one pressing problem. The victim is Juliet, the wife of her neighbor Stepleton Henderson. And although Abigail has little connection with the lady in question, she expects to be under suspicion. Abigail's skin color and her mother's notorious past have earned her a certain reputation among the ton, and no amount of wealth or status will eclipse it. Abigail can't divulge that she was attending a secret pro-abolition meeting at the time of the murder, and to her surprise, Henderson offers her an alibi. Though he and Juliet were long estranged and she had a string of lovers, he feels a certain loyalty to his late wife. Perhaps together, he and Abigail can learn the truth. And Abigail, who's married to Lord Worthing, was not a love match, knows well how appearances can deceive. Taking the reins of her life in a way she never has before, Abigail intends to find out. And in the process, she will uncover more danger than she ever imagined. So, if historical mystery with, you know, set in the pre abolition times with a fierce protagonist who is seeking justice is, sounds like up your alley, which it should be, then Murder in Westminster by Vanessa Riley is for you.
0: Yeah. When I saw this book listed as one of the new releases, I was like, wait, a minute, Vanessa Riley, I'm like, I know she does historical fiction. And I'm pretty sure it's the same Vanessa Riley who does historical romances. I'm like, oh, she's doing mysteries, too. How cool. (laughs) Bit of everything. Little bit. Yeah, a little bit of everything. All right. So my pick is Real Bad Things by Kelly J. Ford, which comes out on August 30th. So that is going to be a little over a week from the date that we are recording this. And this book takes place in Arkansas, along the banks of the Arkansas River. Beneath the roiling waters of the Arkansas River lie dead men and buried secrets. Ooh. <laughs> so when Jane Mooney's violent stepfather Warren disappeared, most folks in Maud Bottoms, Arkansas assumed he got drunk and drowned because that has happened multiple times in the past. But when Jane confessed to his murder, She should have gone to jail, that's what she expected, that's what she wanted. But without a body, the police did not charge her with a crime. So Jane left for Boston and took all of her secrets with her. 25 years later, the river floods and a body surfaces. And so talk of Warren's death grips the town again. Now, in her 40s, Jane returns to Maud Bottoms to reckon with her past, to do jail time, to face her revenge-bent mother, to make things right. But though Jane's homecoming may enlighten some, it could threaten others, because there are plenty of secrets in this desolate river valley that are better left undisturbed. So again, this one, I think, could probably fall into domestic suspense, not... You know, maybe a little bit in tone, maybe a little bit different than what you usually think of with domestic suspense, but plenty of family secrets going on here at the very least this sounds dark. It sounds gritty. It sounds like, you know, if you're a fan of of small-town crime, small-town secrets, books where the past comes back to haunt you, that type of thing, this book sounds like it has all of it. And it just sounds super intriguing. So again, that is Real Bad Things by Kelly J. Ford, and that is out on August 30th.
1: All right. And with that... Uh, that is our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, for always making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookride.com listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookride.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts, bookriot.com slash listen or just search book Riot on your podcast player of choice if you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions you can reach us at redordead Red at bookriot.com otherwise you can find me on instagram at wellreadbrowngirl i am no longer using twitter so please come say hi on instagram
0: i'll leave it in the show notes stay in touch and you can find katie You can find me, I'm still on Twitter, (laughs) at kt underscore library lady. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.